Ain bara. Ain bara. No choice. And I said, what, what are you? She said, when I came over here, it was 1948. We had no country. We had no country. We were going to be obliterated, right? We had no choice but to be excellent. We had no choice but to do the right thing. And I always carried that with me. No choice. Good morning and welcome everybody to the kitchen table. In this podcast, we sit down with our guests to have real and honest conversations to talk all things leadership. We call it the kitchen table because we know some of the best conversations at the firehouse take place at the kitchen table. And the goal today is to focus that kitchen table energy into talking leadership. I'm your host, Berlin Maza, and our guest today is board director of the Leadership Crucible and a board director of the Center for Excellence in Public Safety and recently retired Global Director of Corporate Alliances for the Walt Disney Company. He worked with Disney to create multiple seven-figure interactive social marketing experiences dedicated to the betterment of society, specifically fire protection and prevention, as well as international alliances, most recently as a global senior leader based in Paris over the last two years, excuse me, over his last two years with Disney, where he was responsible for creating alliances with international corporations and countries. Working with Disney Imagineers, our guest envisioned the concept for the largest public fire education experience in the United States, Where's the Fire, at Epcot securing all of the multi-million dollar funding for the interactive attraction, welcoming millions of guests over 10 years. A graduate from the Montgomery, Maryland Public Service Training Academy, our guest has been a firefighter for Hillendale Fire and Rescue in Montgomery County, Maryland, as well as a fire commissioner for Woodenville Fire and Rescue in Washington State from 1991 to 1998. He was a contributing editor for Firehouse Magazine from 2001 to 2014 on the subject of marketing and branding leadership for the fire service. Our guest has been a marketing consultant to fire service publications, IFSTA, of Oklahoma State University School of Fire Protection and Safety Engineering Technology, the U.S. Fire Administration, and to Metro Fire Departments across the country in the creation of strategic marketing communication plans. He has made presentations and workshops at numerous fire service conferences, and departments on the application of marketing management to the fire and emergency services. His recent contribution in his collaboration with Chief Randy Brugman for the recent publication, Advanced Fire and Emergency Services Administration, Building the Strategic Value of Fire and Emergency Services in the 21st Century. Our guest has been a member of the National Society of Executive Fire Officers, the Institution of Fire Engineers, Board Director of the National Weather Association Foundation, Founding Steering Committee Member of Vision 2020 for Fire Prevention and Education, and Member of the Society of Fire Protection Engineers. He holds a Certificate of Leadership from the Harvard Kennedy School of Executive Education. Our guest is a Phi Beta Kappa graduate from the University of Oklahoma in Public Affairs and Russian. He holds a Master's Degree with Honors in International Communication and Russian from the School of International Service of American University in Washington, D.C. I'm honored to welcome Ben May on the kitchen table today. Good morning, Ben. Thank you for joining us this morning. How are you? Hey there. Just fine. Um, I, I want to start off with this. I want to start off with a shout out to Chief Mike Despain of Redmond Fire Department. Uh, he made this connection here today. And uh, thank you, Ben, for accepting the leadership challenge. I always say on this show that the success of the podcast goes to any guest speaker that's willing to come on the show, share the philosophy, the experience, and message uh, to our listeners, to our emerging leaders in the fire service to uh, to grow themselves as leaders. So 
Uh, before we do get going today, would you mind sharing a little bit about Ben May? You know, maybe a little bit of a career, family, hobbies, uh, your experience in the fire service with the Disney Corporation, and basically anything you would like to share before we get going. Sure. First of all, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, thanks. A shout out also to Mike and to you. Um, I feel a little bit like it's old home week uh, because I lived uh, right down the street from you uh, on Hollywood Hill was the name of the uh, was the name of the place ah. and. Uh, and uh, I was fire commissioner for Woodenville Fire and Life Safety. Um, that's what it was called at the time right. um, in the 90s, from 91 to 98. And it was a great honor. And I loved working with those guys, a tremendous people, every single one of them. And uh, so wherever they are in your neck of the woods, shout out to them for sure. Mm -hmm. and, to, and thanks to them for, for their support of me. Uh, I really did appreciate that. Um, Pretty simple story. I was born in Oklahoma City. Um, always wanted to be a firefighter from the day. I can't even remember when I didn't. You know, I'm, there's a picture of my mother holding me. I think I was two and it's got a little fire hat on. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. She used <laughs> to say she she must have been pregnant in front of a firehouse or something. But at, <laughs> at any rate, um, I, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, and she, she actually um, was supportive of it until I got to be about 15 years old. <laughs> And uh, she sent me to a prep school in Oklahoma City called the Cassidy School, if you, if you know where I'm coming. It's kind of like Lakeside out there. In okay, yeah, I know Lakeside very well. And um, and so uh, when, I, when I was ready to graduate, I told my advisor I wanted to go to Oklahoma State University and get a degree in fire protection technology to be a firefighter, not to be a, a fire protection engineer. And, of course, back then it was like, uh, you know, it was like my mother said, Ben, you've got to make something out of yourself, you know, one of those things. And mm -hmm. uh, and she say things like Jewish boys aren't firemen, you know, which back then, you know, mm -hmm. and I, you, you, if I say that today, people look at me like I'm crazy. You know, I mean, what are you, what are you talking about? But back mm -hmm. then it was kind of, you know, yeah. and um, I didn't even understand what she was talking about. Um, and so uh, anyway, I buried it. You know, I went ahead and and. Yeah. Uh, and I was I was really good in languages. I had this kind of weird thing about languages. I don't know why it came to me easily. Uh, so I ended up going to the University of Oklahoma, majoring in, in the Russian language. And the reason it was Russian was because I just felt, you know, I was around during the Cuban Missile Crisis, you know, and it was kind of like, yeah, we ought to be able to talk to these people, you know. Interesting. And um, so and I was fascinated. And so uh, then um, then they sent me to Russia to study over there. Uh, that was during the Soviet Union. So I went to the University of Leningrad, studied over there for a while. Um, and then uh, I figured, well, I'll go in the Foreign Service. Yeah. And uh, but I didn't make the cut uh, on the Foreign Service. So I went to D. I got married. My wife and I've been dating since we were 16. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went to the American University in D.C. and got my master's degree and uh, couldn't get a job. Because uh, there were plenty of Russians in D.C., you know, they didn't yeah, yeah, need yeah. an American that could speak. Yeah. So I exhausted <laughs> everything until I finally um, decided that, well, maybe I ought to become a firefighter. Um, and for various reasons, which I won't go into, I didn't get to that point. Um, so I went ahead and got in the wine business uh, because it, I was working in a wine shop to pay my way through uh, graduate school. Yeah. Uh, and so um, and so uh, an executive from a distributor you know, he said, hey, you seem to be really good in sales. And I said, I hate sales. I hate <laughs> it. I don't want to ever do that. You know, and he goes, all right, all right. Well, he said, if you ever change your mind. So I didn't have anywhere else to go. I started at $150 a week and started calling on restaurants. And I got to like it. 
And about four years later, I got promoted and I started to feel comfortable in my job. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and become a volunteer firefighter and see if I can make this thing work. And so I did. And I did really well, uh, much to my surprise. I was scared of heights. <laughs> I didn't know how to I didn't know how to do that. You know, the the, the pumps. I, I wasn't good at math. You know, <laughs> you know, my wife used to tell me, if you drive the engine, you're going to get lost because you're not good with directions. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and so, but anyway, I graduated first in my class out of a hundred, which I couldn't believe. Um, amazing. And I pulled in, I came in one night, you know, and, uh, one of the officers said, so May, how'd you do on that? How'd you do? You know? And I said, I, I don't know. I think I did. Okay. How many are in your class, May? I said, uh, a lot. He said, a hundred. That's how many, May. How'd you do? I said, I think I did good. He said, you did real good. You're first out of a hundred. Wow. And then he said, that doesn't mean jack to me. He said, get your stuff. Get to, You're going to you're going to catch the hydrant. This is when we still went, you know, yep. on the back step. Yep. Let's just see if you can handle that. You know, so anyway. <laughs> <You've done it laughs> um, yeah. So that continued. Um, and then uh, I, I then I said, well, that's what I'm, this is what I'm going to do. I took the test. The problem was there were thousands of people that literally uh, wound around the high school to take the test. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I was good, but I wasn't that good. Yeah. And, you know, so um, I said, I'm just going to stick what I, with what I'm doing in the wine business. But I took a course uh, at Montgomery County uh, Community College um, and I and I named it Fire Service Marketing Management. And I thought, you know, there ought to be a way to tell people what we do. And I got the idea from Chief Warren Isman, who at the time was the foremost authority on hazmat in the country. And um, and he met with me and he told me, he says, you need to tell people what we do. He says, yeah, you could be a fire officer. You could go do that. But he said, I think you, uh, people don't know what we do. And if they don't know what we do, they're not going to pay for it and they're not going to support it politically. And as I walked out, he says, oh, yeah, he says. Uh, I mean, I'm a fire chief and I'm Jewish, by the way. So don't don't use that thing about Jewish boys aren't firemen. And I said, OK, chief. Anyway, so. Um, I, so I developed this kind of expertise, I guess you could call it. And I started to write, I, I asked him, I asked Harvey Eisner if he'd let me write in Firehouse Magazine about it. And he said, yeah, he would. And so I started writing and then I got promoted and I, I ended up being vice president of St. Michelle Winery, mm -hmm. relocated, became fire commissioner, um, did that for a while. And then um, a dear friend of mine who was a mentor uh, had become the executive vice president of the Walt Disney Company. And he called me up and he said, why don't you come over here and work? And I said, well, what would I do? And he says, well, he says, you know, marketing, and you know, sales, that's good enough. Come on in and interview. And I, and I, I said, you know what? Why not? Wow. Let me get, let me try it. I was, I'd had it with the wine business. Sure. I did interview for a position for the NFPA vice president of marketing. I had five interviews, five interviews. And at the fifth interview, the guy who was running it, I can't remember his name. He was a retired general. He says, well, I can't make up my mind about you, Ben, because you seem to favor the fire service. And there's more to fire protection than just the fire service. And I said, that's not true. I, I'm, you know, it didn't matter. He wasn't going to hire me. Yeah. So I went to work for Disney. I started at the bottom. Well, I say I started at the bottom. I started as a manager. Sure. And uh, I was responsible for business development at Epcot. And I kind of messed around there for a while. And, um, and my boss said, so what are you passionate about, Ben? And I said, oh, that's easy. Fire department, fire service. 
And my boss said, well, our number one value at Disney is safety. So what could you do with that? And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you must have some ideas about it. I said, oh, yeah, let me tell you about the fire problem in the United States. It's blah, blah, <laughs> you know. So she said, I'll tell you what, you come up with a concept, you give it to, to me and our Imagineers. And if we think it'll work, if you can get it funded, not with Disney money, we might just build an attraction dedicated to your passion. How's that? I couldn't believe it. I went nuts. I mean, I I was like, okay, you know, so I just, you know, started, you know, rooting around and I came across Liberty Mutual Insurance and this is before they ever advertise. And um, I got him to meet with me down at Disney at Orlando at Epcot. And um, we put some concepts together and uh, they said, well, how much is this going to cost? And I said, well, it's probably going to cost around 15 million bucks. And they said, okay, let us think about it. They came back. They said, we're going to do it. So they created this big attraction called Where's the Fire? And at the same time, we released a movie called Ladder 49. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. Ladder 49, yep. So Touchstone Pictures was owned by Disney. And so what I arranged, I arranged for Ladder 49 to open the same night that Where's the Fire opened, which happened to be the first night of Fire Prevention Week in October. Yeah. So it was really good. It went crazy. And so my boss said, so what else are you passionate about? And I said, well, I'm from Oklahoma. I like meteorology. used to chase tornadoes around a little bit. She goes, see if you can do that one. And so we did. And so we did another thing uh, about severe storms. And so she just kept saying, well, how about a Russian embassy? How about a Russian pavilion? You speak Russian, you know, everything I could, you know, whatever it was, you know. So, um, so they kept promoting me and um, and things worked out really well. And then I became head, head, uh, part of corporate alliances at Disney. And then they sent me to Paris for you know a couple of years to run that, the gig over there. Uh, and then I retired. Uh, and then one of my dreams was to be associated with the Center for Excellence in Public Safety. And I was able to become a board member there. And uh, that's what I do now. Uh, and... Um, and then I and I write a lot about um, uh, fire protection and, and talk about it and, you know, do, do those kinds of things. And then lately I partnered with Chief Randy Brugman, who's retired, uh, who also is a good friend of, of um, Mike's. And uh, we started something called the Leadership Crucible. And it's a series of podcasts as well about leadership. Uh, no sense in going into all of that right now, but that's kind of what I've been doing so far. Awesome. I've got uh, I've got two kids. Um my uh, my daughter Caroline is an Imagineering Disney, believe it or not. Okay. And uh, my son uh, Nicholas is a lead litigator for the Federal Trade Commission, and I got two grandchildren and oh. one wife. Wow, that's a, that's a lot there, and I don't even know which direction I want to go with that. I want to start off a little bit more about Disney, and the reason why I want to talk about Disney is sure. everyone everyone loves Disney, right? My family loves Disney. We're actually going to Disneyland uh, next month, but Disney is very. Uh, I mean, I. I, I it's, it's obviously globally known as a company that innovates, number one, innovates, customer service, all the above. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot of its attributes, a lot of the way it, 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 it delivers service, a lot of the way it kind of treats employees and product and service that it delivers can be correlated with the fire service, yes, in terms of how we innovate, how we operate, Mm-hmm. how we treat our internal and external customers. Yeah. Um, so I guess my question here is, it's not even a question. It's just more or less, let's just talk. You were, you worked for Disney for a long time. You worked for the fire service. 
in many different capacities. How can a, how can the fire department implement some of this innovation and customer service delivery to where, cause I mean, I know we talked about it and we'll get into this as well. Um, I know you were, um, you read the road articles or you did a lot of work with the Phoenix fire department. Yes. That's right. With, with Alan Brunicini. And I know you, right. you mentioned the, uh, the essentials of fire department customer service, which I want to talk to, uh, in depth about that as well. But the fire service is all about customer service. Right. So I guess not a question, but can you talk a little bit more about high level customer service as it relates to the fire service and your experience with Disney? Sure. Um, that's a great question. When you talk about customer service and Disney, it's um, it's the things that are similar, in my opinion, with the fire service and Disney is it, customer service is whatever needs to be done to service that customer, whatever their needs are, we're going to do it. Um, and we're going to do it with a smile. And we're going to make sure that we go the, the full, the nth, to the nth degree to make sure that there is customer satisfaction in whatever it is they want. Um, it doesn't matter whether we're having a bad day or not. When we get on stage, that's why we're called cast members. We are going to give it everything that we have. Um, and I equate that back to the fire service because when that alarm comes in, and I don't care what it is, whether it's a five alarm or a low acuity call, you know, we're going to go and we're going to make sure that we put our best foot forward and that we um and that we deliver on what we said we're going to deliver on when we took that oath. Now, there's one big difference between Disney and the fire service. Disney is a for-profit organization. And it, our mission is, is wonderful. Uh, people love us. Uh, our brand is known throughout the world. As a matter of fact, I used to tell people, you, we never tell people who we work for on an airplane if, if someone's sitting next to you because they'll talk your ear off about it. And I, I tell people that's called owning the brand. That's yeah, called owning absolutely. the brand, right? Um, the difference is the fire service is not a for-profit. And when we go, we're going to go and do whatever needs to be done, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And there's a it's a very special kind of thing compared to Disney. And I can talk about Disney and I can, I can, of course, you know, people love us and all those kinds of things. But the fire service, in my opinion, is is even more special than that. Yeah, it's more special than that. And so, if for instance, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but if you look at uh, at the state of uh, American society, and you look at a lot of people that are having they have depression, anxiety, a lot of people are hurting. A lot of firefighters are hurting too. But that's a whole other uh, that's a whole other mm -hmm. discussion. So if I get a low acuity call. And they're going to call the engine company and they go, oh, God, here we go again. You know, it's Mrs. Jones over there and so and so place. And I'm going to go there and I'm going to make sure that she is that she feels safe, that she feels well taken care of. You know, whatever it is. I went out on a call one time in Phoenix. I'll never forget it. Uh, I, a guy was a he's a diabetic. You know, was he wasn't a diabetic stupor. We got him all packaged up, ready to go. And I remember his mother was just, you know, beside herself and she looked at. She looked at the guy that was driving the engine. He's this big dude, you know, and she looks at him and she says, could I just have a hug, you know? And he goes, sure, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. The other difference is, is that when we get called, we don't know what we're going to come up against. And it could be a real bad deal. No matter, you know, it's, it's we're, we're trained to do that. And we have reflexes. Uh, and when I say reflex, a lot of what we're trained to do is we just, yeah. you know, okay, I got to pull an inch and a half. I got to do that. You know, I got to go, you know, 
you kind of are on, I wouldn't say autopilot, but yeah. there are certain things that you go over again and again and again and again so many times that it just becomes automatic. And the reason that's important is because when we have something that we're going to have to think about a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I've got uh, people trapped in a room in the back. I got to, I got, I, I need to think a little bit about how we're going to do this, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's different at Disney. It's the same thing. We have certain standards that we follow, you know, this happens, that happens, but it's different because we're in an emergency situation. We're not an emergency situation at Disney most of yeah. the time. Yeah. As far as uh, for, for Disney as, and I want to tackle this even further, uh, you mentioned in the customer service that the uh, the Imagineers and every cast member throughout uh, Disney, when they deliver customer service, they do it with a smile. They're excited. They yeah. they give top notch service, right? They make yeah. sure the product and service that they deliver is is second to none. Yeah. Um, fire department, how do we get? Uh, you know, what kind of training does you know on a, on a very basic level does Disney provide for its say new employees or to its new cast members? And I'm wondering if some of that can be translated into the fire service. Like, what can we do to uh, adopt, if you will, the mindset in the fire service, what Disney does for its cast members? Um, good question. Good question. Uh, well, we you talked about Brunacini, Alan Brunacini and, you know, essentials of fire department customer yeah. service. I would just say, even though that's the dated book, it's only dated in that, his, that it's, you know, yeah. everything in there applies it's, right it now. It does. It does apply. Yeah, and it's basic. In, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's basic. Um, I think probably where I would start is when you take that oath, you put yourself in a, in a different place. Yeah. Uh, the famous American um, author, Kurt Vonnegut, said, he said, the most stirring symbol I can think of of man's humanity to man is a fire engine. Yeah. So, so when you think about Disney, it's not quite like that. Right. Okay. Right. So it's, 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 it's even it, what we do, in my opinion, is even more that way. Yeah. So, so then the question becomes, how do I need to act in a certain, in a certain situation? Well, it depends. If I'm going into a two alarm house fire, I'm going to have to, you know, I got to do what I got to do. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one of the things that Alan put in his book is he has a position where one officer is assigned to whoever, who, who the family or whoever is, has yeah. the emergency. That's all that person does. It might be bringing in insurance. It might, you know, it might be the Red Cross, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. That's what that person's going to do. And I found that to be extremely effective when you can, yeah. if you have the manpower and yes. the woman power to be able okay. to do that kind of, of a course. thing. Um, that. The other part is you mentioned about, you know, when, when we start with Disney, they have something called traditions. Mm-hmm. And it's a two week, I don't know if it's still two weeks, but when I came, when I came in and I got hired at Disney, I had a really bad ego problem. You know, I've been vice president of St. Michelle. I'm starting as a manager. Right. And I had this headhunter. He was a Purple Heart Vietnam vet. And um, and when I finished, when I finished the interview, he said, so how'd it go? And I said, it went okay." And he said, what do you mean it went okay?" And I said, listen, I said, if you think I worked my buns off to be a vice president and now I'm going to I'm going to play babysitter to the MBAs in the romper room, you're out of your mind. And he said, you know what I think, Ben? I said, what? He says, you got a big ego. You need to park your ego at the door. It's a Walt Disney company, you idiot. And so I said, yes, sir. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I and I turned back around there and I started realizing that the people that were there were eons ahead of me sure. and that I had a lot to learn. And so I took the traditions course. And in the traditions course, they taught us 
you know, what are the trage- how did Walt start out? You know, what, you know, he started out, you know, with Mickey Mouse and, and, and then, and he got turned down a billion times, you know, and all these different things, how he did that. And then how they built the company and then how we deal with, with uh, guests. And one of the, one of the things we say is what we do, whatever needs to be done in the right way, no matter what. And, and, and so I, and when I got out of that traditions course, I, I said, I said to my wife, I said, there is nothing bad about this. This is all good stuff. I can, I really drank the Kool-Aid. I mean, I was like in it. I, I said, I, I'm home. Yeah. I am home. Yeah. I never one time ever questioned whether or not I was going to get promoted or not, because I was so happy to be there. That's you know, awesome. it was just, it was, and I would have times, have you ever heard of the term flow? Flow, flow. being in, being in flow. Absolutely. Uh, sports psychologist, George Mumford, a lot of people talk about flow. Michael Gervais talks about it, but yes, I do. There's the guy that invented it. If you can pronounce his last name, God love you. Probably not. Uh, he's he's a Hungarian guy. I can't even I can't pronounce it. I know foreign languages. But at any rate, I would have moments at Disney, and I call them Disney moments. And usually, it's it's in the middle of a presentation I'm making to some corporate client, you know, for a lot of money or something. And I've got Imagineers in the room, and they're presenting things. And I would write. I used to carry a daytime around. You know, a little a pocket day timer and I would write Disney moment because yeah. at that moment I was in complete flow. I didn't know time stood still. I didn't know where I was, what I was doing. All I knew is that I wanted to be there. Yeah. And I've had that same feeling going out on a call where it's just like, Whoa, this is, yeah. this flow. is pretty good stuff. Yeah. It, this awesome. is good. This yeah. is good stuff. You know, that's awesome. That traditions course. That's kind of a, 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 a off the wall question here is that a course that's uh only offered to its to its employees like do they teach customer service yeah concepts yeah. to outside they oh do. yeah they do it's called the, well they did i don't know if they still do it's called the disney institute oh that's now, right that's right uh, now <clears throat> what this gentleman that i told you was my mentor lee cockrell is his name lee cockrell yeah. so lee was evp of the company he retired and he wrote a series of books on customer service. That's right. And Leela's right up the street here. And so we meet all the time and he's on our board for the leadership uh, crucible and everything. And he, he teaches that stuff. Yeah. So That's... you look, if you look at Lee Cockrell, you'll find, and he works with the fire service a lot because, he because does, of me. Bit. Yeah. How do we, uh, again, another off the wall question. How do we get uh a bunch of firefighters to attend a course like that, whether it be a webinar to host a thousand people or 500 people, or even get, you know, him up here. To, does he, does he teach in person too? Oh yeah. He does. So does. Wow. He's not inexpensive, but it just depends. Right. You never right. know. What okay. I'll do is I'll be glad to, I'll, I'll connect you guys. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. We'll just, we'll just chat. So let's talk about um, this concept here, Ben, if you don't mind, lead yourself first. I love that concept. We've talked about a ton of times on this podcast. So as we talk about leadership, we talk about, you know, concepts, philosophies, but leading yourself first is where it starts, right? We can't expect someone to lead us every step of the way, although we all have mentors, leaders that we like to, you know, mirror and be like, but it yeah. starts with self. That's right. So take us down the path of leading self as it pertains to leadership. Okay. So um, we came up with, actually, Randy and I, we kind of came up with this idea first because we, we let me tell you. Let me kind of back up. So um, actually, not too long ago, about a year ago, we I was at CPSC and we were having a board meeting in, in Mesa, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And um, 
And uh, in the main, in the headquarters, you know, in the bay there, there's a red flag. And the red flag says, it's up to us. No one's coming. Right. And I looked at that and I thought, man, that's impactful. Yeah. And that's the truth. No one's coming. Uh, and so I thought about that and I thought, you know, that's that can be applied on a personal basis. And then I then I came back with Randy and I said, you know, we need to think about, you know, who you are as an individual. And I like, you know, we're human beings. We're not human doings. Right. And that's really important. And so when you start talking about leadership, uh, I think too quickly, we jump into organizational leadership Here's how it's going to be. Here's the mission. Here's the vision. Here's how we're going to go do it. Take the hill, you know, do all this kind of stuff. Here's the strategic plan, blah, blah, you know, all these kinds of things. What I'm saying is, and what we're saying is you need to know yourself first. Mm -hmm. Who are you? And I took a course at Disney uh, called uh, Career Anchors, Career Anchors. And Career Anchors is something that was started by his last name is, uh, I think his last name is Shine, S-H-E-I-N. And so when I was in the wine business, I always had people reporting to me. It's like I would come up with, a, with an idea, you know, uh, and the idea was like, OK, here's what we're going to do. We're going to call on all these corporate clients, uh, hotel companies, restaurant companies. And I'm going to convince the VP of that company at the, at the time it was Marriott. And if I can convince him to put my wine in all the Marriott's, mm -hmm. then immediately we're going to get distribution across the country. Right. Right. Well, that VP happened to be Lee Cockrell, by the way. Ah. So, um, <laughs> so, so I proved this idea. It was called national account marketing. And um, so, my boss at the time, Alan Shoup, who's who's the president there, he said, "Wow, this seems like this thing works." And I said, "Yeah, believe it or not, I can't believe it. It does work." Yeah. He goes, "Okay, Ben. Well, you're going to need some people. You're going to need a team of people." So I want you to bring on some some people to help you. And we're going to divide the country and you're going to go, you know, and you're going to lead them. Yeah. I said, OK. So I started doing that. I didn't like it. I didn't. It was OK. It really wasn't my hot button. You know, I said, OK, I'm going to have to ride with this sales guy and we're going to go call on this account. We're going to I, I, I didn't feel it. I just didn't have the, the oomph, I guess, or the energy sure. level to do it. Now, when I was fire commissioner, it was different. Because when I was fire commissioner, it was like I was responsible for every single, I mean, if a firefighter got a hangnail, I want to know about it. Yeah. I want to make sure their pets are happy. Yeah. You know, I want to make, I, that was it. Yeah. It was a different, and that, I'm, I'm kind of getting off on two subjects, but that's the other difference with the fire service. Sure. You know, it's a different deal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I took it exceedingly serious, you yeah. know, Yeah. and there's nothing I wouldn't do. And I found out, you know, you want to find out what you're made of. Do you really believe this? Yeah. Well, well, that that's, that's it. At Disney, you can always go to work someplace else, I suppose, you know? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but, but when I got to Disney, I'd got into this career anchor thing and they said, okay, Ben, your temperament, a career anchor is like your temperament. So your temperament might be, so you might like, uh, you might like I had a boss and she was she used to work for Deloitte and Touche before she came to Disney. She was all into numbers, loved finance. And she would say to me, she would say to me, you go ahead and um, you go ahead and get the deals done. You give us the idea. I'll handle the finance. And I was uh, like, cool. The great team there. That sounds good to me. You know, 
Yeah. And so, uh, cause I wasn't much of a number cruncher back then, you know? Sure. So, um, but the, but my temperament was such, Yeah. they said, you work best alone, but you want to be around people. You like that. You like people around you, but you want to go out and, and you're kind of like a hunter. You want to go out and find the thing, come up with the idea, bring it back and then bring a team over to, mm-hmm. you know, to deal with the details. So we're going to put you there. And it's like, so that was so I thought there was something wrong with me. There was nothing wrong with me. Sure. It was just my temperament was in the, I was doing something that, that didn't, you know, sort of, as we say in Oklahoma, cotton to my temperament. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's wow. That's uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of directions I want to go with that is um, community risk reduction. I mean, oh, we, yeah. I, we talked a lot about, I, I read the articles that you wrote and uh, as, as we talk about, you know, safety and, and all that. So, Community risk reduction is huge, right? Obviously, and uh, you know, you even have some people joke that, like, oh well, you know, if we if we're too safe, we're putting firefighters, that, you know, out, out of business. Well, well, no. Talk to us a little bit about community risk reduction. Talk about right. PR, yeah, um, yeah. and let's let's throw it on that path because I love that piece. I love you know getting out in the community. Obviously, from the from the Disney standpoint, PR is huge. In yeah, fact, okay. Disney Disney's PR is it, it does its PR for itself, right? It's built it's built it's big enough brand to where. You know, it it speaks for itself already. But I want to let's, let's go down the path of community risk reduction and the importance of good PR in the okay. fire service. Great, excellent question. Okay, so um, so a couple a couple. Let's let's start with community risk reduction. Let's talk about marketing, community risk reduction, and PR because it's all kind of all, all in the same. Yeah. All right. So um, in marketing, so, there there's sort of a basic a basic concept. And it's called positioning. Positioning is who, how am I known? How is the brand known to the customer? Okay, that's the brand positioning. So the positioning of the fire department is we put out fires, you know, fire, that's why it says fire department, fire department, right? So who are you going to call? Who are you going to call first? We're going to call the fire department, whatever it is, we're going to call it. Community risk reduction takes the takes the fire department and positions it to handle everything except the police. Now, why would we do that? Mm-hmm. We would do that because we don't somebody, we don't want someone taking over our business. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you have a problem, call me, I'll handle, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll call whoever you need, not the police, but I might call them too. Yeah, you know? Right. So, so it strengthens us. It yeah. strengthens the brand. So that if somebody comes along and says, oh, you know what? I'm with Rural Metro. We're just going to buy you guys out, yeah. you know, yeah. or Falk in Denmark, which is yeah. a private or, you know, we're just going to come in and take you guys. Or you have the argument that says, you know, firefighters, they don't really put fires out anymore. You know, they, you know, now that's that's not true anymore because we've got an uptick now because of materials burning hotter with these lithium yeah. batteries. So that's kind of changed. Sure. But the point is, is that we are... Community risk reduction means that, first of all, we're going to make sure that the problem doesn't appear in the first place. Yes. Okay. And the community risk reduction came originally. This is just my observation. Some people might uh, say that it's not true, but I think it is. There was a fire chief in uh, Merseyside, England, and his name is Tony McGurk. And Tony came into Merseyside. Merseyside is the largest um, uh suburban area of Liverpool. And it was very poor, big fire problem, congested, drug problem, all kinds of issues. 
He came in there in the middle of a strike, by the way, and he completely cleaned it up. And here's what he did. He, it was also polyglot, lots of different uh, ethnicities. Mm-hmm. So he, he trained some civilians. He put them in uniforms. They all spoke these different languages and they went into the homes and they started doing, uh, you know, checking for, you know, issues, you know. Yep. Yep. Right. Inspection, yeah. yep. in-home inspections. Well, they found out a lot. First of all, they, they took care of the fire problem real yep. quick. Yeah. The second thing is there was a drug problem. The third thing is there's a poverty problem. The other thing is you have a lot of young boys whose fathers were gone. So he says, we're going to pair firefighters with these young boys. Hmm. All co- So he started to expand this thing. Oh, I love it. And he called it community risk reduction. He was knighted by the queen for doing wow. it. Wow. And he's the guy you ought to get on a podcast. He's a friend of mine, too. So right. we'll um, <laughs> Tony McGurk. Tony, Tony McGurk. Write it down. Tony McGurk. And he sounds just like a beetle, you know, because he's from, uh, from that. <laughs> the so, um so the so what the point is is that we have to think about a broadening That's of what we do, and we can do it. We can really do it now because we got data. Yeah, we can mine that data right down to to we can find out where all some of the hazards are, but yeah. we can also find out the populations and what what are we dealing with here? You yeah. know, I love is it. the suicide rate high over here? Do we have you know where are our incidents coming from? Yeah. Okay. And the point is this, if you're a firefighter and you take that oath, the idea is, listen, dude, or do that. Here's the deal. You take this oath and the oath means you're going to do whatever it means, whatever you need to do to get the job done. Right. Right. I don't care what it is, as long as it has to do with the safety of the people that we protect. So don't be telling me you don't go to enough fires or you don't get, get to do this or do that. You need to get the same feeling, the same afterglow after you've uh, done an educational thing in a school as you do with a knockdown. Yeah. You know, that's true. It's true. So it broadens it broadens what we do. Right now you have uh, mass shootings, right? You you have that big problem. Okay. Unfortunately. okay, that's something where we need to be. We are there a lot of times. But, you know, there there are jurisdictions that have the fire department riding with the police now on some of this stuff. The point is, the point is, my goal is that we never go out of business. That's number one. Yeah, never go out of business. And we keep ourselves in business by doing everything that you're saying. Right. Then the PR thing you asked me about. Yes. So about... Six years ago, maybe a little less, a piece came out from the IAFC about uh, creating a positive image for the fire service. It's extremely well done. Mm-hmm. And a PIO. So at, at the CPSC, we now have a um, we now have a credential that a, a, a PIO can get. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's a big deal now. So it used to be that a PIO was sort of, you know, okay, well, we got a lieutenant or we got a captain over here. We're going to let him do it for a while. Uh-uh. No, it needs to be a complete position. Mm-hmm. And there needs to be a, a trajectory where you can be, where you can be promoted. Yeah. So I told, I talked to you about uh, going to Phoenix. I used to you know, yes. go there, you know, and um, the gentleman who was the PIO, God bless his soul, uh, ended up becoming assistant to the chief for public affairs. Yeah. Okay. He worked his way up from PIO. And let me tell you, Brunacini didn't do anything without consulting with Steve Jensen. That was, that was his name. Yeah. He was, he was fantastic. And now more and more, you see this happening. As a matter of fact, Spokane Valley, which is just over the mountains from you guys, they have a full-time marketing person there. Wow. And this is, you're saying there's a PIO. Well, 
She is a she's a marketing person. Yeah. Okay. So marketing person separate. So in addition to more or less. Okay. That's right. That's uh, right. And that's what's that is what's that's where it's going. Wow. That's uh, that's that, what, that's amazing. That's uh, that's where. Well, Mesa, same yeah, deal. Yeah. That's what you're There's saying. A def- is, uh, it, it's going to it's getting to the the, the guy in Mesa is a deputy chief. Yeah. So deputy chief with the credentials of marketing slash PIO and basically in that that realm, if you will. In other words, anything that is done from a public perspective, yes, you want that person next to you. I used yeah. to work with uh, uh, Orange County Fire and Rescue, which is right, right, right here where I live, right? Yeah, yeah. And we would, and the chief there, there would just, you know, he was basically say, "Okay, I need to get with a PIO," and he say, "Okay, hit me. What could go wrong? What could happen to the public? Somebody gets, you know, somebody's looking at porno on the thing, and they shouldn't be doing it." What happens? You know, somebody does something illegal. How do we handle it? You know, yep. you got to be ready for that stuff before it happens. Yes. You know, and that gets back. Right. And that gets back to the other piece you started talking to me about Disney. <clears throat> when you take that oath and you put that uniform on, you stick out like a sore thumb and a, mm-hmm. and a good sore thumb. And you just remember who you are and what you represent because you're in a different place. Yeah. And you signed on to do it yeah. and you either do it or don't, don't right. do it halfway. Don't like do it halfway. You know? all in or, or not at all. Right. That's right. Um, and you talk about the credential uh, because I, you know, it goes to the saying, the best PR is, is going out and doing a good job, right. Going out and doing the right. best job. And just, you know, that's it, it. It's you do everything else too, but first and foremost, do your job and do it great. As far as this credential, when you say it's actually a thing. So this is something that will just say, officers company officers deputies are trying to go for what where where is it what is this and get on what is C- what is the training uh go go to the cpse uh oh, site CPS. okay and just look at look it up and i can i can get you connected i'm just i'm just uh, curious as to that because uh that stuff is made it's all about innovation right fire departments about changing and expanding what they currently do right we've talked about this in the past right what's next like right in the 70s a you know, it was hazmat, then it was tech rescue, then, you know, right. it's mass shooting, then it's social work, you know, what's next? And so um, community uh, risk reduction, community risk reduction. There you go. And, and it's, it's going to go for a long, yeah, that's going to go for a long time. It's going to go forever. Because, so. because that covers everything. And also uh, the woman who, uh, who, who helped us create this credential, her name is Ashley McDonald. She would be a great interview. Ashley, Ashley McDonald. McDonald. What does she work? Yeah. I think she's a, I think she's a PIO. She's not a fire PIO. She actually was a police PIO. I think she's in Tennessee, but I can get you connected. Okay. All right. Um, So I want to go here because uh, I love non-negotiable pieces because uh, we get to ask you, Ben, about you as a leader, right? So obviously you've been a part of many teams, many organizations um, on all scales. Um, Talk about something that was non-negotiable to you. What is something that's like, you know what, that's a no-go or uh, to be a good leader, you have to have this. What are some things that you say non-negotiable? Sure, easy. Well, I say easy. It took me a lifetime to figure it out. Absolutely. Right? Um, you have to go back to ethics. Um, there's, you know, there, you know, honesty only comes in one flavor. You know, and yes. it means that I go back to 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 my and and I say this because I early on in my life. I didn't do a good job. I had to learn the hard way. A lot um, of us do. A lot of us do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, w- I will tell you this. If growing up, if I had been 100% honest 100% of the time, I wouldn't have had nearly the number of problems I ended up sure. having. 
<laughs> um, so that's a non-negotiable. And it's and the thing is, it's so easy. Yes. It's so easy. To be honest. You know? Yeah. It's it's uh, I learned <laughs> I learned, let me give you a quick story. So um, you know, we uh <clears throat> Disney owned a company called Touchstone Pictures. I told you that's where we did Ladder 49. We also did a a, a movie called The Alamo. The Alamo, yeah. Yeah. And I happen to be a Texas history fanatic, you know, even though I'm from Oklahoma, you know. And um, so I, I saw that movie and the movie was a bomb. It was a bomb. But but it was the most authentic telling of the Alamo story that I've ever seen. OK. Yeah. And the night before the storming of the Alamo, Billy Bob Thornton is uh, Davy Crockett. And and he's talking to Jim Bowie. And he says, uh, you know, Jim, if it was just me, David Crockett from Tennessee, mm -hmm. I'd take my chances and, and I'd jump over that wall. But I can't do that because uh -huh. I'm Davy Crockett. People expect things. Yep. And Bowie goes, ain't it the truth, Davy? Mm -hmm. Ain't it the mm -hmm. truth? Mm -hmm. Cause he had his reputation too. Yeah. Right. 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 Absolutely. And, and he said, I've been on these walls my whole life mm -hmm. and it's the same with us. It's the same with us. Yep. So you just have to decide what are you going to do? Yep. What are you going to do? And so that the, that that piece is number one. And the other part is the integrity. Yeah. If you say you're going to do it, do it. Uh, and, and the third part is accountability of it having the accountability to do it. They're non-negotiable, period. Yeah. And I don't care if I lose, if my house, if my house goes away, everything goes away. If I got that, if I got that, yeah. I'll be okay. Yeah. And unfortunately, like I said, it came, it came a little bit late for me. I had to sure. learn a few, you know? Well, let's, let's stick on accountability for just a minute. Rhetorical, but I want your thoughts. Accountability to who? Accountability to self, accountability to your organization. All the, accountability. All, all the above. All the above. Yeah. All the yeah. above. Yeah. The, 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 um, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing greater to me than when someone would say to me, if Ben tells you something, you can take it to the bank. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Better it done. And, and it hasn't always been that way with me, but I can tell you, like, for instance, Chief Randy Brugman, you can take it to the bank. It's going to yeah. happen. It's going to happen. Know? What it's he says, it's going to happen. Yeah. The other thing is, um, and I'm saying, and I am really telling on myself here, you really got away, you know, with, with pulling stuff out, you know what I mean? <laughs> so um, I would say probably the one thing that I admire the most is humility. Mm -hmm. It's humility. I agree. I um, agree. And Chief Brugman for, or Michael, you know, who you interviewed, these guys, you don't see them talking about, they don't, they don't, you know, you get on LinkedIn and you hear, you say, proud to fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. All, it's all about me. It's all about me. Let me tell you the wonderful story of me. And the re, and, and I am, am the worst perpetrator of that until I finally started to bite my tongue and get it right, you know, at 73 years old, you know. I'll tell you a quick story. So Please. At my, my son's wedding, right? My son's wedding was, God, I don't know now, 15 years ago, right? So one of his friends comes up to me at the wedding and he says, oh, you're Nick, you're Nick May's dad. My son's name is Nick. I go, yeah. He goes, Mr. May, tell me about yourself. And I'm like, ha ha, you know, uh -huh. well, well, about 45 minutes later, after I told him how I took the hill, you know, and did all this kind of stuff, right? 
my son, Nick, goes up to him and he says, oh, Nick, I just had a wonderful story. I just had a wonderful talk with your dad. He goes, oh, my God, you didn't ask him about yourself, did you? <laughs> yes, I did. So I, so I try not to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm still have to watch it. Yeah. Well, um, another non-negotiable item for for yourself um, as you know, as it pertains to leadership, but it's the Disney philosophy and it's, we start from impossible and go from there. And I love that piece. Um, I love that piece simply because you you just, you have to, you just got to get it done. Right. And what's impossible, right? Impossible is simply a bunch of possible things and string them together to complete the impossible. Right. That's, that's what it is. But I love that philosophy, but talk a little bit about that because Disney abides by that. Right. Uh, And absolutely. I want, I want to know more about that. Okay. So, so um, when I was putting, where's the fire, you know, we're doing, where's the fire, uh, this, this experience. And, um, and one of our Imagineers, a guy named um, Eric Goodman, uh, he, I, he says, here's what we're going to do, Ben. <laughs> we're going to have these lasers and the lasers are going to, we're going to find hazards in a bill in buildings. And we're going to have team. You said firefighters work in teams. So we're going to have teams of people mm-hmm. and they're going to find these lasers and they're going to go all over the place. And we're going to have a fire engine over here. And we're going to have a top. <laughs> and I'm like, Eric, Eric, what you're describing, uh-huh. it's, it sounds impossible. He goes, Ben, at the Walt Disney Company, we start from impossible and we go from there because we're going to do it. I love it. And it was, and, and it, at that moment, it it hit me. It was like, yeah, I'm not in Kansas anymore, man. This yeah. is a different kind of place because for the first time in my life, there was, it was a wide open field and, and these guys are serious. You know, I mean, you wouldn't have a, you wouldn't have a, <laughs> you wouldn't have an attraction that was half built yeah. at Disney. You wouldn't right. say, well, we tried it and it didn't work. So whatever, you know, and it, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And so I took that philosophy back and I thought, these people, if you're going to start proposing something, Ben, you better make, you know, you, you got to keep in mind that this is this is the real deal, man. This yeah. is the real deal. These people are serious, you yeah. know. And <laughs> what it did was it took my level of, uh, of a, not so much accomplishment, of, of thinking, you know, of what yes. could be done. Absolutely. Way, way, way up the. Up yeah. the, you know, it was like, why can't we do that? Absolutely. Don't tell me we can't do that. I love you know? it. I love it. One of my favorite lines of Star Wars is when uh, Han Solo, when three CPO says, uh, "That's impossible," and he would say, "Don't tell me what I can't do." Right. You know, and yeah. I, I really believe that. I, I believe it, and I got, and I got it pretty much at Disney. And it's sort of like, you know, if we could do it at Disney, why can't you know? Why, why can't you do it? Why can't anybody do it? Right. Why can't so? It, why can't anybody? Do it? Let me ask the question. Is that a, at Disney? Is that an executive mindset or is that a mindset of every cast member within the company? That's a great question. <laughs> you know, it's it's actually that it's actually a mindset of our creative people, our Imagineers, the Imagineers, the Imagineers, it's, because that's what they think. That's what, that's they, what do. they think they just, up. They think up. They do. And that's what made Disney. Right. Disney. Now, I love that. Now, the cool thing about that is the people I worked with. Besides the Imagineers, people, other people on my team, the ones that, you know, okay, got the idea. Now we're going to, you know, we got to, you know, yeah. hang, put it together. Yeah. <laughs> Project managers, people like that, you know. Yes, yes. Of course we're going to do it. Yeah. Of course we're going to do it. Yeah. It's not, it's not, can we, it's, it's when will we kind of thing. The yeah. other thing that goes with that. Yeah. Getting to accountability. I never, in the, t- I was there 18 years. I never had my boss one time ever say to me, 
that's a crazy idea. That's uh, we wouldn't do that. Uh, quite the contrary. Uh, I even came up with a couple of things that, quite frankly, were controversial. One was uh, I wanted to do I wanted to do something dedicated to energy, uh, and I got all the uh, gas and oil companies to, you know, financially support it. They're pretty wealthy dudes, you know. Yeah. And so we were we we're really going going crazy. They'd given me a certain amount of money, you know, to to do the creative. And about that time, this fracking thing started to hit the press. And, you know, the fracking is where you go in sideways to, to drill yes. with water, and it creates many earthquakes, you okay. know, being from Oklahoma, I'm real familiar with it, because that's where it started. And then they found out up in Pennsylvania, like people would turn on their faucets and flames would start coming out the faucet, you know, natural gas. And so people like Matt Damon and some of these actors started protesting and it started mm -hmm. to That's get right. headlines. That's right. yep. And so my boss said, um, I said, he said, you know, I'm starting to, you know, hear this stuff. What do you, what do you think, Ben? And I said, well, it's something we need to think about, you know? Uh -huh. And he said, well, here's, here's what, here's the deal. If you want to go through with this, you got us, we're hundred percent behind you. Love it. So you need to decide what you want to do. You tell me what you tell me and, it's done. Let's make it happen. And I went back and I thought about it and I said, no, I don't think it's a good idea. We're going to give them their money back. And I'm glad we did. You know, I mean, we, we might've been able to do it. I just, sure. I just didn't feel, I just didn't feel right about it. So I had, I always knew I had, they had my back. Yes. Always, always knew that, that my senior managers. Always said, yeah. VP, they all, they had my back no matter Trust. what I did. I mean, I love that. You said bosses don't say that's a crazy idea. I mean, that is, that's all it's about the support it's about you know ownership letting people get things done take their ideas innovate i mean i love that right i mean that, that's that's it's got disney written all over it um mm -hmm. but you, you as you talk about you know companies you talk about people you talk about connections the fire service is huge with connections and networking right that's how yes it's a yes. small world right i mean we our conversation today as we were you know exchanging emails you told me you were a commissioner at woodenville it's like oh my gosh what a small world this all is um but connections is where it happens. Talk a little bit about your experience with networking connections, how it helped you get to where you're at today, but also the importance of making those connections as leaders in the fire service. Great. Okay. You, these questions are just, it's like, oh, these are they great make, questions. <laughs> they are, well, thank seriously, you. <laughs> seriously. Um, so I'm going to tell you a story about that. Please. You know, Disney, we tell stories. So I, I love it. Story, I right? love it. So when I was a little kid in Oklahoma City, <clears throat> My parents were divorced when I was six. That's why I used to run down the firehouse because I felt safe down there. You know, they're always yeah. fighting all the time. So my, and I was a Jewish kid and my mother would take me to the temple. Uh, they didn't even call it synagogues back then. I was reformed Jew. You know, so they said, well, I don't even use the word synagogue back then. I'm like, why not? And he says, because we're reformed. You know, I said, okay. So he take me to the temple on Friday night and, um, and there would be a gaggle of older men and women sort of standing, you know, for coffee after the service. And they'd have blue numbers tattooed on their arms from the death camps. Mm. They were survivors from the Holocaust. And she grabbed me under the arm like this. She called me Benji. Benji, Benji, go over there and introduce yourself. Those people have been to hell and back. Be nice. And I go, oh, mom, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't do that, you know. Well, when your mother keeps doing that after a while, you just give up, you know. 
And so I'd go over and I started, you know, and I'd say, well, my name is Benji May and, you know, nice to meet you. And, oh, Benji, I knew your mother when she was, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yes, you know? yes. <laughs> and so, and so, and my dad was the CEO of a, of a, of a chain of men's clothing stores called May Brothers. And my dad was the kind of guy, if he couldn't figure out how to do something, he would call, he'd say, call Jones, he'll know what to do. Call so-and-so, he'll know what to do. And my wife's not that way. She does it herself. She goes, you always uh -huh. want to call people, you know? <laughs> so, so, um, so the point is my mother and my dad, as difficult as their marriage was, they had one thing in common. They knew how to build relationships. Mm. And I took that from them. Yeah. And I didn't know it at the time. I didn't sure. even know what was happening. Exactly. You know? Yeah. It was like ingrained. And so when I got to fast forward, it, my when I got to Disney, but even before then, but especially when I got to Disney, I decide I, I didn't just decide I, I I wanted to build a relationship. And I honestly, if we got the deal done, great. That's fine. That's wonderful. But I was more interested in the person than the deal. Oh, I love it. Because the relationship is non-transactional and a deal is transactional. I agree. Yeah. <clears throat> now, to give you an, to give you an example of how this has actually worked. So let's say that if I talk to 25 people over a certain period of time, let's just say that maybe 10 of them, you know, we would start, we put a deal together or something, you know, an alliance. Well, I never lost track of the other people. Yep. So I'm going to give you an example in your neck of the woods. There's a guy named Todd Mosier. Todd Mosier was a runner-up astronaut. He's a doctor of geo geophysics, astrophysics. And he and I just became great friends. He loved Disney and he wanted to, we, I wanted him to sponsor Mission Space, which is one of our big attractions. But the deal, it just didn't work. It fell through. He left the space company he worked for. And I, and we just kept in touch. His wife had cancer, you know, he was very upset. You know, we just became friends, you know what I mean? And so um, we were talking one day and I said, Todd, I said, you, you know, you need to, you need to think about Blue Origin because it's made for you, man. And they're just starting out, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, one thing led to the other, not that it was because of me. So he ended up going to work for um, Amazon. He relocated up to Seattle. <clears throat> He's up there now. And, um, and make a long story short, he is now a senior executive with Blue Amazon. I mean, with Blue, uh, with Blue, um, Blue Origin, Blue Origin. There you go, Blue Origin. He said it's Blue Origin, yep. right. Yep. So we just kept this relationship going. Yep. I have probably 25 to 30 more of those wow. right now. And we, and I have no idea where they're going, but like, I'll call them up and I'll say, Hey, we're doing a podcast. Yeah. You want to, you know, your story's really good. How about we, you know, how about we yeah. talk about that? Yeah. Uh, one of the guys I went to high school with uh, was the fan. You know what Verifone is? Verifone. Yes, I know Verifone. I've heard it a million times. I'm trying to remember what so it is. So it's a credit card. It's a credit card. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Well, he was, a, he was one of the creators of Verifone. Interesting. Yeah. Right? Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant yeah. guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, so he lives in Hawaii. Thank he doesn't live, you know, in you know, in Fort. He lives on the Big Island, right? Okay. So we're talking, you know, we kept kind of kept in touch, you know, that kind of thing. And I want to talk. I'm talking about relationships, but I'm also yeah. going to talk about empathy. Please, empathy. Yes. So we're talking, and he says, "Hey, I just wanted to tell you, tell you, um, I thought about your mother 
the other day. Now, my mother had a nervous breakdown when I was 16 years old. And I had to take, I had to put her in the psychiatric ward of a hospital. It was very sad. But she was kind of like a den mother to all the high school, all my high school buddies. We would go over there and a lot of them had difficulties with their own parents. And my mother was one of these empathetic, generous kinds of people. She was really, you know, one of those, she, she's their champion, you know, that kind of deal. Her name was Francis and we call, they call her Francie, Francie. He says, I, I had to give a speech to a bunch of senior executives in China. And I was starting to lose my nerve. And I thought about Francie. And my confidence came back. And she'd been dead years, right? Mm -hmm. I said, Will, I said, I can't tell you how much that means to me to hear you say that, you know. And my point is the influence that you have on another, you don't know how you may influence another person down the line. If you're if you're kind to them and you have and you're empathetic and you say, hey, dude, looks like you're hurting today. What you know, can I help you out without getting into their space? Don't get me Absolutely. wrong. You know, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, well, part of what a firefighter is there for. Is to, you know, is to be a piece of humanity. Mm -hmm. You know, that's Great. that we you know, I, I say that um, firefighters protect the first right in the in the in the uh, Declaration of Independence, life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Right. We protect the first right so that people we protect can enjoy the other two, three. Right. Yep. So it's a big responsibility. It's not just putting the fires out. It's not just the physical thing. It's who we are and what we represent to people. And that has to do with the relationships and, yep. and, and you know, and getting back to your original question. You start building relationships and don't have a goal. There's no goal. You know, right. there's no networking. There's never, yeah. that, forget that idea. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like this guy's a good guy, you know, and that's that's all there is to it. Maybe no, we'll meet it. for a cup of coffee. Maybe we won't. I don't know. Yeah. No expectations. Yes. No expectations. You I love know, it. it. got to be well connected. I'm going to I'm going to lean on that a little further. Would Ben May be Ben May today without the connections and networking throughout his career and life? Wow, that's a great question. Well, it depends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you'd have to talk to my mother. Probably she had me, <laughs> so I'd be there. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, as it, uh, as it pertains to the, just the importance of staying well connected, uh, like you said, with no expectations. You know, yeah. uh, a first impression you made uh, with another individual in a class that you took, but being able to 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 make a phone call, send an email six months down the road. Hey, remember me? Yeah. Yes, I do. And you don't know where it takes you from that point on. Right. What it, to answer your question? Yes, of course. The point, but the point is, um, it's a it's a way of thinking naturally. Yeah. And, and you can train yourself to think that way. But yeah. you're instead of thinking about you, think about them. Yeah. What you know, like where's the where's the connection? Yeah. You know. And you sit down with, you know, with somebody, you have a cup of coffee and maybe something happens and maybe, maybe there's something, that, no, like I said, no expect, no expectations whatsoever. Yeah. Agreed. You know, and, uh, and mainly, you know, what, you know, like, is there anything I can do for you, man? Is yeah. there anything I can do for you? Yeah. yeah. Rhetorical question. Love rhetorical questions, right? Because I just want more or less uh, Ben May's uh, thoughts on it. You talked a lot about empathy. I mm -hmm. heard a lot about uh, soft skills as we talked mm -hmm. about leadership. How important are soft skills and great leaders versus some of the technical or hard skills? Obviously, both important, but you talked about some things that aren't necessarily taught at whether it be fire academies, whether it be, you know, in, in the technical part of careers, some things that are either inherent 
or something that you actively or intentionally work on? For example, empathy. How important are things like that in great leaders? Well, they're critical. They're, they are. You, have you ever anything by Simon, read anything by Simon Sinek? Oh, my God. It's funny you say that because right before I said that, I wrote Simon Sinek, and I was going to mention that right before you said that, but I went this route instead. But yes, he said it's not about. <clears throat> let me see if I get this right. He said, he said I wrote it right here. It's not about you. It's all about them. It's uh, you. You're there to give, not to receive. And if that's where you're it's, going, it's, that's about, exactly it's not happened. about the people that you're in charge of. It's the people, people. who are in your charge. Charge. There you go. That's what it who is. are yes. in your charge. In your charge. Right? And so uh, empathy is the ability to feel what another person is feeling yes you know as much as you possibly can yeah they talk about soft skills they are the most critical skills there you go and that means that as far as the other skills go you know you know like next week i gotta go to chicago we're gonna put together a strategic plan for cpsc that's all bricks and mortar yeah this that whatever whatever that might be you know uh, get the job done. How are we going to do it? All these kinds of things. But that gets to the discussion of culture. Culture. Yep. And as you know, the fire department culture is a certain kind of culture. And, you know, corporate culture, you know, every company has has a culture. And, and it's critically important. And that has to do with how we relate to each other, how we build relationships, and those soft skills. Yes. Those soft skills. And th they will become, you know, it's what they call... Uh, What's the guy that wrote the book about it? Uh, intelligence, intelligence. Uh, oh, uh, emotional uh, intelligence. Yeah, emotional I know exactly. Uh, Dan, David. Uh, Goldman, Goldman. Goldman. David Goldman. Yeah. That was, yes. So Daniel Goldman. There, Daniel. Daniel Goldman. So that that's absolutely critical. I'm not saying that you you have to be able to do the other stuff. Right. Too, of course. Of course. Right. But but. When it, when it comes to actually having, you know, the culture and, and, and the other part of it is if you don't have a positive or say, if you don't have a healthy culture in your, in your department, what are you going to do when you get out on the scene and you've got people that are in a real mess? You know, that, that's really, that's, that's critical because it transfers out. You have, yeah. you have what I used to call, you have internal marketing, you have external marketing and the internal, if the internal marketing isn't good, the external marketing is going to suck. External yeah. marketing is easy. The internal marketing is hard. And that has to do with the values. It has to do with the vision and the mission of the organization. Yeah. And it has to do with each individual having their mission and their vision synonymous with the organization. And, and the way to find that out is, is if you don't think you can do that, you're probably in the wrong place. Yeah. Which is okay. You know, that's all right. Yeah. You know? Agreed. Let's go to the rapid fire. And I love this piece because as we navigate these topics of leadership, uh, we get to talk to certain groups of individuals. Um, mm -hmm. You provided a few things that I wanted to kind of lean on a little bit more. So let's talk to the newer firefighter, uh, Ben. So this is to be a recruit firefighter, a probationary firefighter, a newer uh, firefighter um, in the fire service or with their department. Mm -hmm. What's something that they can do to start growing as leaders early in their career? Well, the first thing I would say is know yourself. What do you, what do you stand for? Who are you? Um, why, you know, why did you want to become a firefighter? Why, why, why? And don't tell me it's because I want to go down the street and look cool. You know, I, I mean, and you know, cause that'll be gone in like, you know, a nanosecond. Why, what motivated you to do it? 
yeah. you know, in the gut, what motivated you to do it? Um, and, and then uh, realize that you're taking an oath that you are representing the best of the best to the public and that you are going to take care of every one of the people that you're responsible for, not only your own team, but the public, when you go out there, there's no, we don't segment the market. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Everybody gets the same quality of service across the board. Yes. Okay. And that is your job. You are representing the best of the best, the culture, uh, the kindness, the honesty. You're a model right now for the rest of society, which really doesn't look too good yeah. to tell you the truth. Just yeah. take a look at politics. Yeah. You know, the other thing that Kurt Vonnegut said, the other part of that is he said, the fire, the firefighter probably represents the last remnant of humanity. That, mm. And the other thing I will tell you is that um, there was a there was a um, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? A survey that was done by um, Pew Research, and the and the survey said, "Who do you trust? Who do you trust mm. to the to the American public? The American public trusts the fire department second only to their immediate family." You think wow. about that. Wow. Think about that. That's, okay. That's so you, so you, Mr. Rookie, you have that responsibility. You have that responsibility. And it also means, you know, who are you? Who, we need to know who you are. Yeah. You know, what do you stand for? Because we're going to all be living together here and we're going to be in certain situations, you know, that, that, you know, and, and the other part of it is don't get, don't get, you know, you need to understand you are an advocate of safety to the public. No matter what it is, you have to put the same oomph into a low, a low, uh, you know, a, low acuity call versus the fire itself. That, or, that is correct. Actually, low acuity call gives you a chance yes. to really strut your stuff from a humanity perspective yes. versus you're going to be really busy if you got a high acuity call. I totally agree. Right, right. It's like the bare minimum is not enough. Right. It's about going above and beyond, and that's what. It's all about the fire service. That's right? because you got the oath. What? How do you think you got in here by accident? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so how about the emerging leader, uh, Ben? How about these are individuals aspiring to be company officers, take the next step, existing company officers? What's something that they could do today to start growing themselves as good leaders? Okay, the first thing I I say, I believe, is you are a leader of leaders. You have to understand the people you're leading, they're leaders too. They have the ability to be a leader. You don't don't tell me oh, I didn't kind of, I didn't sign on to be a leader. You know, I just get on the back step and just kind of no, no, that's not the way it works here. That's not the way I mean mm-hmm. in my department. So that's not the way it works, you know. Right. So so the first thing is what do I need to do to make certain that I know who I'm leading? Do I know myself? Do they know me? One thing that um, you know, we didn't talk about personality uh, instruments, but you, you know, Myers, Myers Briggs. I right? do know Myers Briggs. Yes. I got to tell you, I, I, I think it's one of the best instruments I've ever seen. Well, let's talk about that real quick. Let's okay. talk, I love the Myers Briggs because personality and knowing your own personality uh, to know yourself, you talk about knowing yourself first, but then also knowing, you know, especially as leaders and as company officers and supervisors, understanding the, the, uh, the the personality traits of those that work with you, for you, and above you, it, because mm-hmm. when it, when we talk about networking and we talk about uh, connections, it all helps us understand how to work together as a team to be a, an effective team. That's right. Understand personality traits of ourselves and those around us. So let's That's talk right. about uh, the Myers Briggs and talk about as far as the importance of. It. Okay, so 
I took the Myers Briggs. I was a it's called an ENFP, and what that is, that's a person who is he's he's kind of like we're going to take the hill, and it looks like the, you know, come on yep, guys, yep. Let's, da, da, da. and he's very enthusiastic, uh, and he's not very good with details. He's not good with details, you know, yep. and so he can start going off in one direction and and say, oh, you know, I changed my mind. Forget what I said. Let's go to the next one. You know, that kind of thing. Yep. And and my leader, my first leader at Disney was. She understood that and she looked at that and she said, okay, look, here's some areas where you're weak, you know? And she said, here's what I want you to do. You need to be able to explain your rationale for things. Mm -hmm. I would just say, look, it's a great idea. Let's just go do it. I'll get the money. You know, she's like, I don't think she's like, no, 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 that's not what we're going (laughs) to do. No, that's not, that's, you know, I was like, you know, oh, money, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll make it, I'll make it right. No, that's just not how we're going to do it here. Yeah. So you need to explain things, you know, and I wasn't brave. I wasn't, I wasn't, I needed to be braver in my conviction. Sure. Um, And she was very brave. And so, and so I stopped and I started to learn about things like that. And I started to calm down and not be so off, you know, over the top. And I took a Myers-Briggs lately and I moved from ENFP to ENFJ or something, which is mm-hmm. really good. So I'm moving in the right direction. Yeah. Um, what we also did was we got a bunch of our Imagineers together with a bunch of us yeah. in Alliance Development yeah. because they're, you know, they're often, you know, creative direction. So that we could understand, because I was always going head, I was always banging heads with a particular Imagineer. And I, I just, I was like a bold, you know, I, you know, it was going like that. Yeah. And, and he would say to me, if you would stop, if you would just let me explain, instead of just barreling through about what idea you want to get done, yeah. I would really appreciate it, you know? And I said, you know what? He's right. He's, he's, he's really right. You know, so I had to kind of understand the other person and the Myers-Briggs helped me to do it. Another, um, Another thing that my boss did, um, she got our team, after we'd been together for about six or seven years, we had a pretty strong team. Every, no one left. Everybody was like really doing well. We were bringing in a lot of money and everything. And she said, I want to get together and I want you to tell me one thing that if we were to know about you, we would be very surprised. Okay. One thing that would surprise us about you. And, you know, I, I took it kind of, you know, I, I was like, well, once in a while, I'd like to arrange flowers, you know, that would be something. Nobody would think I would like to do that or something. You know, I just kind of. I, I have a question on that. Um, that exercise, if you will, or activity. Um, and uh, I'm not going to say it here in terms of what I think it is, but what did that, what was the purpose of it? To get a, to get another view of, a, of, okay. of us. Okay, good. Yeah, that's, to just that's, get it. That's what she, I was going to say is perspective. Yeah. To, perspective. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily, she wasn't necessarily looking to, no, you know, no, 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 yeah. absolutely. Not to, not to yeah. dig into someone's personal life, but yeah. to yeah. basically have another perspective of, of the other person, kind of what they're dealing with, what they're coming from, the reasons why they may be they're acting the way they are, the reason why they exactly. you know, are, are, you know, it's about people, right? And we, we talked about that all day today. You talked about Imagineers, you talked about. Uh, it's a, it's about how to understand each other and people and to understand where they come from. So it is, and um, and I will tell you this: I looked at her in a completely different way, mm-hmm. and I was much more patient. I was yeah. much more empathetic. Yes. I understood where she was coming from, and in yeah. fact, we ended up really doing some great things together. Whereas before, I was like, oh, I don't understand. You know, it's yeah. like I, I can't quite understand. You know, yeah. I couldn't quite get it. 
And the reason it's so important in the fire service is because you're living with each other Great. so much of the time, you know? Yeah. So the Myers-Briggs, um, is that something that, so you say you, you've done, I'm sure you've done it, you know, you did it probably years and years and years ago as well. Is that mm -hmm. something that you continuously reflect on? You mentioned that you're switching from the ESFJ or ES, I can't remember which was yet, but is that also something that is, I'm not going to say a requirement. Did, did Disney do that? Or I, I'm trying to figure out what points in your career uh, did you find these implemented and or being mandatory to learn about self and each other? My my boss at Disney did it on her own. Okay. I, I wouldn't say that Disney did the, Disney did the, so you, okay. So you had the Myers-Briggs type of things. Yes. And then you had the, the career anchor thing. That's right. The career anchor. And yes. that's, te that's temperament. And temperament's really important. Really, and temperament is kind of like, like what makes you feel, you know, this doesn't make me feel comfortable at all. Okay, yeah. I don't yeah. feel comfortable. Okay, now let me let me kind of tell you a, a story about that. There's a book and it's called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Interesting. And so my, my boss said to me, she says, you know, you go out and you bring in these deals and and you do the, you do, you know, you, you make the presentations, you talk about the brand and all that. And I'm going to handle the financing finances and I'm going to handle the contracts, the legal contracts with the lawyers. Mm -hmm. All you got to do is do that. Well, I was like in heaven. I was like, you got to be kidding me. She's got my back. I can go out and do this. I don't have to worry about this mundane. Right. Yeah. So you get promoted a couple of times. And then, so then I got, you know, I got, I had a different boss, a tremendous guy. And before I got to went to Paris, he goes. I said, "Hey, you know, I I I need to get if I'm going to go to Paris and leave this team over there, I, I you know I need to get I want to get promoted, you know." Yeah. He goes, "Well, okay." I said, "I'm always rating number one. You always rate. Me. They have three ratings at Disney: <laughs> great, mediocre, and bad." You know, so <laughs> kind of like, that. hey, keep it simple, right? You know, if you get number three, you got to you got to be looking around. You know, it's time to be time to go. <laughs> yeah, and I always had I had number one every year, right? So I said, "Hey, I got number one." You know, he goes, "Yeah, well," he says, "That's because you bring in a lot of money." You know, and he, but and I said, "Yeah," and he says, "And hey, you do it right." And he says, "But if you want to get promoted, you're going to have to get your head around those finances, and you're going to have to get your head around legal." And I go, "Oh God, I I, I can't, I don't." Uh, yeah. you know. <laughs> and he goes, "Well, hey," he says, "Look, you're in your sixties. Why worry about it?" Yeah. I ain't really, yeah. And so maybe shouldn't have said that. I don't know. So, um, so, so you know what I did? I said, you know what? Let me just, what have I got to lose? You know? Sure. It wasn't hard. Wow. <laughs> I had built up in my head. Sure. I built up in my head. I don't do numbers. You know, I built this up in my head, you know, and the legal thing, I loved it because it was creative. I could say, Hey, could we put in, Let's not do this. Let's tell them we want to do this. Could yeah. can we do that? And the Lord yeah. go, yeah, sure, no problem, Dad. You know that kind of thing. So that that's that was a real lesson to me. And yeah. there's a quote that I always that I that I always follow. Well, yeah. I say I follow. I should say that I admire. Yes. And and it's by uh, Eleanor Roosevelt. She said, "You must do the thing you fear. You must do it." Mm. And and. And it, it basically is like, listen, man, you, you know, I know you're Love scared. It. I know you're scared of this. And I know you're scared of that. You're going to have to do it, it. because it, I call it the dark night of the soul. You're going to get to a point where something is holding you back. And it's usually you yeah. because you're not brave. And you're like, 
I don't know if I, I just, I don't know. I just, I just, and it's like, you just stick your foot out there and, and try to try to do it. You know, I was scared to death of heights. There's no way, sure. you know, there's no way I was going to be able to do it. You know, yeah. well, what did I do? I went up six feet and I went up another six yeah. feet and went up another six feet. And, you know, went. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's totally true. Well, it's, that, just, it's the same deal. I, I love that. You must do the thing you fear. So we talk about this on this show is being uncomfortable. We ask our guest speakers. So obviously from where you've worked, where you've come from, where you've started to where you're at today, you were probably uncomfortable along the way at certain points. You put yourself out there. You did the thing that you feared to get to where mm -hmm. you're at. So would Ben May be Ben May if he did not intentionally put himself out there and say, you know what, I'm going to do this. Even though I might not be good at it, even though I fear it, I'm going to do it. Tell us the importance of it. And would you be where you're at without it? I'm going to answer it in two ways. Perfect. The first, the first, the first answer is yeah, uh, no, when, but before that, before that, <clears throat> I had a very faulty, faulty um, foundation. Didn't matter whether I was VP of whatever in St. Michelle, my ego was out of control. And I, I had to, I had to learn a lot. I had to learn a lot of lessons. I had to be, I had to learn how to be humble. I had to learn how to, um, to have values that I didn't have, quite frankly. Um, and um, I looked good on, I looked good. I sounded good, mm -hmm. but uh, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I, I, I had to really, I had to pull a lot of stuff down around me to tell you the truth. And when I got to Disney, I, I'd gotten, I was, <laughs> I, I was kind of like, oh boy, I'm 50 years old. What in the hell am I going to do now? And I had to start digging myself out. I had to rip out all of that stuff that, that was egotistical, that, oh, you know, I can do this or I'm great. If I can sell, I can do anything, you know, whatever it is. And I had to really, I had to come face to face with myself. And that was rough, very, very rough. I just, yeah. I had nowhere else to go. Yeah. And so, and so to say, well, would I have been, you know, I, if I hadn't had faced my own difficulties, that I created, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know where I would have ended up. You know, wow. if I'd have kept going in that direction, it would have been, it wouldn't have been a not good. good. Picture. Yeah. Well, and so what I've heard you say multiple times that humility and empathy. So mm -hmm. fair enough to say that humility and empathy are critical, non-negotiable traits in a strong leader. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go here. So we've talked to the newer employees. We've talked to emerging leaders. Let's talk to senior or established leaders of organizations, right? These are battalion chiefs. It could be the fire chief themselves, fire commissioners. Mm -hmm. uh, what's one thing that those groups of individuals could do starting today to start continuing to grow themselves as senior leaders in organizations? Okay, the first question I would have is, which may not be what you would expect. The first question is, you know, what do I need to know about the people that are reporting to me? I want to know one-on-one, -on -one, what do I need to know about you? And I want to know two things. One is where, where do you see yourself where you, you can be strengthened? Where are your weaknesses? Let's just say it. Let's not dance around it. You know, how can I help you there? And as you see me, you know, how, you know, what can I do better? Mm -hmm. Because if, if, if the, I'm, t I'm, you know, I figure, you know, you've been there, you've probably been there a while, so you know who I am, 
what can I, you know, and you're going to have to be able to take it and be, and, and to do that, you have to say, listen, look, we all took the same oath. We all have the same mission. Okay. But we're all different. And I, and I know that, and I want to celebrate your individuality. And at the same time, I want to see how you can make your contribution to the team. And the key word is contribution. Numero uno. What can I contribute? That should always be your number one question. Yeah. That goes all the way back to Peter Drucker. If you're you're pretty young for Peter Drucker, but Peter Drucker was a guru of management and he wrote one book, I'll never forget, the thinnest book he ever wrote. It was called The Effective Executive. And that was the number one thing that he said. Contribution. Don't ask what, it almost sounds like what Kennedy said. Don't ask, don't ask what you can get. What are you going to get? What can you give? Yeah, what can you provide? And don't worry about what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah, because uh, we talked about this too. Bill Walsh, I'm sure. Uh, you into sports, uh, Ben? Actually, I'm just Oklahoma football. That's bad. Okay. <laughs> Bill Walsh, obviously the legendary NFL football coach, right? You know, you take care of these things, right? What you're talking about is um, you take care of, you know, your level, your responsibility, your thing, and the sport will take care of itself, right? So don't mm-hmm. worry about the end result. Worry about the process and everything else will be – you know, taking care of itself. So um, yeah. there's, 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 there's another thing, another phrase I gave you, which you haven't asked me yet, you probably will, but I'll get it out there anyway. Yes, please. Uh, so uh, during, while I was at Disney, you know, being Jewish and everything, I wanted to do something with the Israelis. That's right. And I studied a lot about Israeli history and, um, and I, I went through anti-Semitism when I was a kid in Oklahoma. And it was kind of like, you know, if anybody tries to mess with me again, it's going to be bad for them, you know? So I had, I kind of had that mindset, which is probably not a good one, but it's kind of like, don't push me around, dude. And so, um, and so I started to really admire the Israelis, especially the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, you know, and how they did things, you know? So I put a deal together with the Israelis, um, not with the IDF, but with uh, uh, an organization called the Weizmann Institute of Science. I started, you know, I was, I, I was, new languages so i started to teach myself hebrew you know which I, I really love that language you know and i went over there and we inter- i took the imagineers and we interviewed a lot of people and one of the women i interviewed was an 83 year old woman who won the nobel peace prize for organic chemistry and i asked her in broken hebrew i said what well, how did you do that how were you able to do that and she looked at me and she said, Ain bara, Ain bara, no choice. And I said, what, what are you? She said, when I came over here, it was 1948. We had no country. We had no country. We were going to be obliterated, right? We had no choice but to be excellent. We had no choice but to do the right thing. And I always carried that with me, no choice. I love that. Um, and whenever, whenever we have our... our our conference, CPSC, which, you know, they, we all go around the room. There's like, I don't know, 50 people in there, fire chiefs, you know, you know, all there. And, they, and they all, they'll always go around and say, now, what is the one thing that you have to say <laughs> that's going to contribute to this conference? And I always say, Ambera. <laughs> no Ambera. Oh, I love that. No choice. Yeah. Oh man. That, that's a great, that's a great quote, right? It's like what they say, like mediocrity is a choice. Excellence is a choice. Leadership is a choice, right? 
And if you adopt this, no choice. There is no choice. It's there's no choice. If you, for instance, one of the one of the exercises they do with the uh, Israeli Defense Forces, they'll take them out of the desert, you know, not give them much, you know, a backpack and something like that, and they'll give them a problem that yeah. some, you know, something's coming, you know. Yeah. And they go, how? Okay, it's up to you. How are you going to handle it? No choice. Yeah. Because if you don't get it right, you're dead. Yeah. Right. And we'll be dead and we will be dead as a country. So you yeah. decide what you're going to do. Exactly. So so there's a book that came out called um, Startup Nation. And it's about Israel. I've heard this. And Israel has the largest number of um, startups of any foreign country on the Ameri on the on the stock exchange in the United States. Interesting. And they said, well, why is that? And in this book, it says the reason why is the army. Because they because they have to solve the problem. They have to. They have to no choice. choice. No choice. choice. So that. when they become an entrepreneur, they go, we'll figure it out. We'll yeah, just yeah. figure it out. You yeah. know, you're just you're gonna make it happen because there's no other choice. Well, think about it in the fire service when you get confronted with a problem. Don't we solve yeah. problems all the yeah. time? Yeah, they go to it's it. The same yeah. deal. Yeah, no choice. It's it's exactly what we do. Yeah, oh, I love that. Out of curiosity, how does one promote up? Or move up in the organization at Disney, the same way you would, you know, oh, you would it think, is. you know, okay. it's like, you know, well, uh, you know, you did a certain, you, you, you accomplished this and this and this, and you moved yeah. up, and then, and then you, and then, then you have a lot of people that are individual contributors because, yeah. because they're really good at what they do. They don't want to, they don't want a leadership position like that. Yeah. They want to yeah. be able to do their thing. The Imagineers, you know, a lot of those. My daughter's Imagineer. That's kind of what That's you right. know, she, she does. That. Um, Although what you'll find is, is if you're in any kind of a situation where you have to present to people, uh, which she does a lot, people start to look at you as a leader, because if you can handle yourself in front of people and you can pull them together, you're probably going to be good leadership material. So they definitely look at that. At that. So and we bring in and, and we bring in a lot of people like we brought in people from West Point, from the Naval Academy. You know, you can bring in some pretty high level dudes yeah. right off the bat. Yeah. Like I yeah. said, I got there by accident. Yeah. No, not by accident. Everything happens for a reason. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I want to know more about Leadership Crucible. So the Leadership Crucible. First of all, Randy Brugman is. Well, I'm just going to tell you, it's just the way I feel about it. He's one of the finest fire chiefs in the country. He was he was president of the IAFC. Okay. Uh, he was uh, he has so many different accolades and met, he's written five different books on leadership. He's textbooks that are used. You might yes. have used them yep. yourself. OK, yep. I have never heard Randy Brugman once. And I've known him 20 years ever say one word about himself ever, ever, ever. And he was part of the founding of CPSC. They have an award called the Brugman Innovation Award. You know, it's just the way it is. Yeah. And uh, I needed a good dose of him. Yeah. And he and he and I just I don't know. I don't know what he sees in me, but I know what I see in him. Yeah. And so he and I and a number of people got to he he got together and we decided that we were going to have podcasts and we were going to talk to people about their crucible. What did they have to go through to become who they were? And all of us have had to go through some, you know, go through something. I call it the walking wounded. You know, we all got to go through some. Yeah. And uh, and so we we interview these people and it's a broad range. It's not just people in the fire service at all, yeah. at yeah. all. Yeah. And so and so now we're starting to develop curriculum for it. 
and uh, and Michael was in it. He I think he gave a I think he gave a that's right. Yeah, uh, let's go here. The leadership challenge, uh, Ben. I mean, we're here today uh, because you took up Chief of Spain's um, challenge on being a guest speaker on the kitchen table. So our goal is to spread this conversation, right? Our goal is to grow leaders to spread a conversation so we grow leaders across the fire service and other throughout the, the Pacific Northwest and also regionally and throughout the country. Is there someone else out there, uh, Ben, that you would like to formally challenge to come be a guest on the kitchen table to spread a leadership philosophy or story? Let me think about it. Of course. Enough to talk of my head, you know, there are probably a hundred. So oh, I probably have to I probably have to winnow it down. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, and we will uh we could talk more through email as well, but maybe if there's a name that you would like to just formally put out there on the show and uh whether it's this Well, I can tell through. you, I, I will tell you, you know, I don't know. Uh I I I thought Greg Ahern was one hell of a fire chief. That you mentioned. And I can tell you the night that he was sworn in, I gave his I gave a, a speech about him. Uh, I, they did it by, you know, I don't know, not podcast. Well, I, you know, I, 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 I was here, but I did it. You know, they were all in the room there. Mm -hmm. And um, and he started as a firefighter. Um, and he spent, I don't know, 30-some years. And I remember the first time before, uh, before Chief Davis ever called me, I wanted to be a volunteer. And you know, that was my first idea. And I went there, and he, he was, a, I don't even know if he was a lieutenant at the time. And he met me and I was so impressed with him that I said, man, if this guy represents Woodenville, I want to be a part of that. And I went on to write an article about him. Uh, and I and to write and I had his team contribute to that article. It was called Leadership on the Line. And it was it's in Firehouse. Hmm. And they all contributed. There were, there's a picture of him and everything. And not knowing he would ever be chief. Right. You know. And um uh, just he's he's the best of the best, awesome. in my opinion. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Thank you. And what we'll do is we'll like we did with you, Ben. We'll reach out uh, with a with a future email to see if he would be willing to take us up on the leadership challenge. Yeah, he's in Bend, Oregon now. I That's think right. he moved to Bend. Pretty and nice. I lost. I for some reason we lost track with each other a couple of years ago. So, but he'll. You know, I just think he's. I don't know. He's so. He's so modest. You never yeah. know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll see where it goes. So okay. how about this? Lasting leadership thoughts by Ben May before we close today on the kitchen table. Well, you are thorough. I will tell, I'll give you that. Um, this is good. I would say leadership thoughts are to do, to, to do what you need to do for yourself first before you do it for somebody else. And what I mean by that is self-care is critically important. And you can go out and you can, you can, you know, you can go out and give and give and give and give until there's nothing left. Mm -hmm. But if you don't take care of yourself and you don't understand yourself, that's why I said lead yourself first. Mm -hmm. How are you going to be able to help somebody else? Yep. Right. So that would be like if you didn't go to rookie school, you just put on the uniform and decided to go out there and go do something. Yeah. But it's it's more than that. Yeah. It's no it's like as an example, I'll give you another example. I don't know if you ever took life saving, right? So life, you know, swimming, life saving, right? One of the first things they tell you is if there's somebody out there going like this, the last thing you're going to do is start is, is grab them and try to help them. They'll, they'll take you down with them, mm -hmm. right? You're going to get a pole. If you have to, you're going to grab them and 
clunk them one or something, you know, and grab, pull them in or like whatever it is. But to do that, to do that, you have to swim laps and laps and laps and laps and laps and laps. I remember I kept asking Mike, I said, why do I keep swimming these laps? Just swim the lap. It's kind of like wax on, wax off, you know, keep swimming, keep swimming. Just keep going. And what happened was I became strong enough that I could now, you know, do what I needed to do. So from a from an emotional and mental standpoint, an intellectual standpoint, know yourself first and take care of yourself first. Oh, perfect. And then you'll be able to help others. Yeah. It, yeah. That's a great way to close. Thank you very much, Ben. So why don't we close and then uh, we'll chat on site. So thank you so much, Ben, for your time today and sharing your leadership philosophy here on the kitchen table. And thank you everybody for tuning in today to the kitchen table. We truly hope that you found this time valuable and we hope that we've inspired you to take action to lead and to spread this leadership conversation until next time, be safe, be intentional and stay curious.